0: listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Good afternoon everybody and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday edition of Invest Talk and a lot going on, a lot at play. So you are here for unbiased guidance, and that's what I'm here to give you. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and thank you for joining me today. I hope you will call me with your investing and finance-related questions as soon as you can. Our show goes by rather fast, so get your call in sooner rather than later. 888-99-CHART, 888 4278 And when you pick up that phone you ask your specific question, then we can give you a little bit more advice and a little bit more context to your particular situation as opposed to just talking more broadly. I like to address particular situations because that teaches our listeners individually as well as a group because we're looking at real life problems, real life questions. So anything you have on your mind, don't hesitate to reach out. Now, my main talking point today concerns the market news. Netflix shares have surged 2,300% since 2000, but the top performer actually did much better. We're going to reveal which one that is. I'm also going to touch on this Expedia news because I think it's an interesting story, not just in and of itself in the travel industry, but it kind of hits home to the power, the power that the Googles, the Facebooks, the Apples, uh, you know, the, just the companies that deliver us information. Twitters of the world, all of these big social media search engine, which is really just Google, uh, uh, businesses that serve us up information on demand and really control the way we see the internet. And this is becoming a, an internet world that is becoming harder and harder to, to navigate as a company, getting harder and harder to stand out without the help of of the platforms, right? These are platforms, really what they are, and this is what's driving the narrative behind breaking up monopolies, like a Facebook, like a Google. So we're gonna touch on that. Also, Tesla's quote-unquote profit for the third quarter, we're gonna dive into why, once again, that is not a fair way to look at the quarter if you're looking at it objectively. Also, uh, and a story I didn't get to yesterday, which was, 401k contribution limits are moving next year. We're going to talk about where those are moving as well. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. So give me a call 99 chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. How about if we go to Don and Coronado? How are you doing, Don? Hey, good, Steve. How are you?
2: Thanks for calling. I appreciate
0: it. No problem. Love your show. Appreciate your help. Uh, if the way you manage people's money, everyone has the same portfolio. Yes. What do you? How do you? differentiate between those who want a conservative portfolio and those who want a moderate, et cetera. If everyone's got the same portfolio, just a different number of stocks.
2: Okay. I can answer that question. Well, How we do that is we offer different programs. We have a program called an income program, which is 50% stocks and 50% bonds. So a person who wants less risk, we will hold the bonds to maturity, and we are buying only companies that pay high dividends that is a less risky portfolio than our stock portfolio. So you have picked what category of risk you want to be in based on what programs we offer. Okay. And so everybody in this program, or the stock program, has all the same stocks. Everybody in the income, balanced income portfolio, has the same amount of bonds, same bonds and stocks in that one. Anybody in the mutual fund program all have the same as everybody else in that
0: program. And you and your partner have the same... You've- Spread your money out across those programs? We put money
2: in each one of those. That's right. We have our own money in each one of those programs. All of the programs we have, we have our own money. So we buy everything at the same time for every client in those programs.
0: I like that aspect of your uh, of your business.
2: Yeah, I think it's only the right way to do it. We expose ourselves to the exact same, practically all my money is there because I want to be very focused on making sure I make money.
0: Before I give you all my millions, if I wanted to know <laughs> your track record, how could I find that out?
2: Uh, by calling me in the office, uh, we can show you every stock we own, we can show you every stock we purchase in every program, and what it has done as far as back as you want to go.
1: Great. And I was kidding about my millions. I'm actually in the military, so <laughs> I don't have much. But you're,
2: uh, you're worth a lot of money, though. <laughs> Multi-million for being in the military. Thanks, okay? Steve. Th- thanks, Don. I appreciate it. Jason, San Diego,
3: how you doing? Good. My question is, why do mutual funds close to new investors? And if I start investing in a fund and then it closes, can I keep adding to my position in that?
2: Very, very good question, Jason. Mutual funds close for one reason, and that reason is is they're getting too much money for what they invest in. They cannot put that money to work fast enough, or they, you know, they have too much money. Period. One of those two reasons. If you already own shares, Jason, almost all of them that I've ever seen will allow you to buy additional shares. They just closed the door. The mutual fund closes to new investors. If you sold all your shares, Jason, all of them, they would not let you back in. Okay. Now, sometimes they will reopen because sometimes they get the money too fast and they can't put it to work. And therefore, they're going to have bad performance, and they don't want that. So sometimes they reopen when they have, you know, six months later or so, when they've been able to put that money to work, and they'll reopen. Jason, when a mutual fund closes, that uh-huh. is a good thing. That tells you that those managers are not just looking at greed. Remember, when they close their funds, so they close their fund, that means they're not going to take any more money. That means, they, they, remember, they earn their money as a percentage of the money they manage. So it's a good thing. If this mutual fund concentrates on small cap stocks, Jason, they uh-huh. should close once they get about three to five hundred million dollars, maybe a billion dollars in the man. They should close because small cap stocks are not very liquid. There's not very many of them. Does that help you?
0: Yeah, that helps a lot.
2: Thank Th- you. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. Joe in Oceanside, how are you doing, Joe?
3: Hey, Steve. I called you regarding an insurance question, and I'm calling you again because I have another one. You're not pertaining to me, but one of my wife's coworkers. She's 21 years old. She has one child. She's a single mother that's two years old. She was speaking to a guy that he was trying to sell her universal life insurance. And so I wanted to get your take on what you think will be best for her to get.
2: I would not get universal life insurance if I was her. I would not. In my personal opinion, she should get a quote on the universal life insurance, okay? It's $500,000. Okay, let's say it's $500,000. Her premium is going to be... I don't know, $200 a month? Uh, Do you know what it
3: is? It's $107 for the
2: first year. $107 for a month, the first year? Uh Uh-huh. Now she should go out and get a term life policy quote. Term, maybe two from a different guy. Okay. Term life insurance policy quote for the same $500,000. And that's probably going to be $15 a month, by the way. She's 21. Yep. That could be $10 a month. What she should do then is take the difference, the $90 per month difference, Mm -hmm. and just start putting it into an IRA and start investing it. And she will make a lot more money doing that than she would make using the universal life policy. They sell it to you saying it's an investment.
0: A Roth IRA or a regular
3: IRA?
2: At 21, I do a Roth IRA. And she'll make a a lot more money over the life of that insurance product than she okay. ever would buy the universal life.
3: Would you be opposed to opening up a mutual fund, like you suggested? No, nope, mutual-
2: I would definitely oh. th- suggest that she do that. Yes.
3: So, well, what, what kind of mutual fund? I know you said no load.
2: Always look for your no-load funds. Just a no-load mutual fund. She can get it at. Uh, she can go to Schwab and open up a Schwab One account. She can do a Ridex She can go to Vanguard. Different places. All no-load funds.
1: Joe, appreciate the call. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much for the call. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. You both know that no one can reliably predict market movements. Clearly, with a market all-time highs, no one would have guessed that with earnings falling uh, on the overall uh, companies of the S&P, but that's what you get. So you need to have a portfolio that's balanced for your particular risk tolerance. Your calls and inquiries are welcome at the KP Financial Office in Irvine, California. So don't hesitate to reach out to us via the website via our 800 number find that at investtalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
0: You're listening to an Encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
2: Patrick, Mill Valley, how you doing? Here's my question.
0: What I want to know is, my wife and I are so busy with our kids and stuff, and I'm really responsible for the uh, portfolio of my retirement, which I watch pretty closely. But mm-hmm. a lot of times we just have a tough time taking care of the bills. Right. And I, I didn't know if there's how you might go about getting like someone to help you with that.
2: Paying the bills or managing, yeah. help managing your portfolio?
0: The bills, Because the portfolio I can stay on top of but uh-huh. taking care of the bills everything just goes crazy and I'm trying to you know make sure I put enough in the retirement but then there's always these bills popping up with kids and I you know, know just life
2: that is a real pain in the butt <laughs> that is life though isn't it Patrick yeah if you're talking about actually physically paying the bills these days almost all all the bill payers all the all of them allow you to pay it online and be automatic about it in other words you never have to issue a check
0: oh I see
2: and almost all of them will let you set up a mortgage, electric bill, all those normal bills you get every month. Right. Every one of them would much prefer you not send them a check, much prefer you do it automatically through your checking account, just do a transfer and let them notify we've, we've collected your money and here's what the bill was. Okay. And that would save you a lot of headache. All the young guys in my office, that's how they do it. They never issue checks. Now, I must admit, my wife is a dinosaur. She pays the bills at the house.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's my wife, too.
2: Yeah, and she writes checks out, and I've tried to convince her to do otherwise. At the office, I have automatic pays a lot. Okay. Boy, does it save a lot of time and Uh, headache. Yeah.
0: Okay, I'll I'll look into that. That will
2: help you. That'll help you a lot. Okay. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Trying
0: to understand how to evaluate some of the oil stocks Got a question for Steve or Justin? You're the best person to ask it at 888-99-CHART. And now's the best time.
2: Let's go to uh, Don in San Diego. Hi, Don. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate your call. The
0: market in general, and I know you've mentioned to callers before, you said it seems like every time you buy the stock goes down.
2: Yep. <laughs> Doesn't it feel <laughs> now, like that?
0: Do we have a disadvantage as investors on the West Coast as opposed to the people that are closer to the action, they're right there in New York and can see the market moving and, and move quicker than we can?
2: Well, you know, a, a few years ago I would have said yes, but I don't think so, not with the advent of electronic trading. Not anymore. You can see as much as they see if you have level 2 NASDAQ, level two trading platform you get to see every trade as it appears to the same people on the floor in the new york stock exchange as the people on nasdaq you can see it just like they do so no i don't think they have the advantage anymore okay. i think they did
0: is there any way that the large investors the hedge funds can move markets
2: oh yes without,
0: and without you you just getting caught up you like you have a great stock market. now
2: don that's a very good question and the answer is yes. You and I, even me, with some of money to manage, I am subject to the big boys. The mutual funds, the pension. If they decide to get out of a stock that is still very good and solid, like a Symantec, then they're gonna drive that price down because they sell so much shares at one time because they have so much money. So yes, they'll push you around. Matter of fact, I'll say this. The, Institutional money is the money that pushes prices up and down. The rest of us are just going along for the ride. Okay. Just make sure you understand that, and when they start to sell, it's going to affect you, and you have to make a decision. Are you going to fight this and fight the storm just <laughs> hold on through it, or are you going to get out before the storm comes? Is there any one uh,
0: service? To I know see.
2: who's selling and whether their institutions are selling?
0: Uh-huh.
2: No, because they try to hide their selling.
0: That's what I understand.
2: Yeah, they spread it around the different brokerage. They it's hard for them to hide because they're so big, and you see big blocks of trades happening. You know somebody is doing it, but you don't know who and you don't know how much. Okay,
1: okay. Well, so thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Listening to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. We have about uh, let's see. 34 minutes left in the show, so if you're gonna call, you wanna do it sooner rather than later at 888 chart
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
2: 888-99-CHART, you can get a hold of us right now. We're going to go to Maria in San Francisco. Hi, Maria.
4: Oh, hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Well, ma- you making it makes the show.
4: <laughs> no, you really have a wonderful show. Okay, question about your international fund. Yes. I always wanted to buy some uh, international ETF. Okay. Um, I always could not get in because okay for example I'm looking at India I'm looking at Mexico I'm looking at Australia okay okay um, those funds you see price moving up and move down okay sometimes you could bought at the resistant or you know you could sell at the um, no you bought at the uh support uh, uh, right the floor and then you you sell at resistance but you just don't know what people are selling or buying for for American, we can see our—I mean, we can hear our news. We can see what is the economy going on. But for international, especially for uh, individual investors, how how can you track all the news?
2: It's very difficult, Marie. So, you hit you hit it right on the head as so far as the difficulty. No,
4: right, there is no um, price target. There are some, like a ten largest holding. Just say Indian, okay? Yes. You could see the top. Uh, one or two stocks, there could be some kind of a price target. But other than that, that's just like a 5%. So how can you figure out when to get in and when to get out? And they are very volatile.
2: They are very volatile. So what do I do? Okay. Uh, very, very good question, Maria. Very good question. Because they can get very volatile. And if you buy a foreign stock and you want to sell it, you got the foreign exchange rate to deal with. In other words, you may have gone up and their their stock exchange, that stock may have gone up. But by the time you transfer it into your money here, our dollar may have gone down or gone up, it changes the whole, so it gets even more complex than Maria's talking about. Now, are you familiar with ADRs, Maria? Uh, Yes. Okay, there are American depository receipts that that are stocks that are foreign but traded here in the United States, and I won't go into all the details of how that works, what it means, if a stock that is foreign, that wants to trade on our exchanges here, they have to comply with the general accounting principles that we, our own country, our own companies have to comply with, and so what that does is it gives you more transparency to see what they're doing, okay? They still can lie and cheat and everything else, though. But so can our own companies, as we know. They do that, too. <laughs> so, unfortunately. But American depository receipts is a good way to invest in foreign companies because then you can start putting on the same kind of growth and GP and earnings yield requirements you have. But, again, you're right, Maria. When you're investing in a foreign country, how do you know if that country is not doing something crazy like Russia when they took over that oil company, Yukos, something crazy that would never happen in our country you never know so there's an inherent built-in risk investing in foreign companies and that's why it's a good idea to find a good mutual fund who does it for a living you know you can buy if you have a you want 10% foreign exposure in your portfolio it's almost better to buy a mutual fund that specializes
4: great great you know
2: because then you allegedly quote-unquote are hired an expert to invest in those foreign companies
4: very
0: good idea. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question.
1: 888-99-CHART. 888 chart 4278 Now, Netflix shares are up about 2,300% since 2000 but it's not the best performer of the S&P. It's actually Monster Beverage. They're up even more, about 6,200%. Sorry, 62,000%. So it just shows you that you you don't need to be in the tech space to earn high profits uh, with your stocks. It can be in your boring beverage makers, right? Uh, Apple was up about 7,400%, right? So... Monster up sixty two hundred percent, sorry, sixty two thousand percent, and Apple up about seventy-four hundred percent uh in that time frame. Equinix, which is a REIT that invests in data centers, etc., that was up that was next on the list, then Tractor Supply, Berkshire Hathaway, and Walmart. Or what sorry, Berkshire Hathaway and Walmart did not even make the cut. So your tried and true blue chips. They're not necessarily going to be the best winners. Now, they might be safer, but if you want the big wins, you're going to have to dig down into kind of those lower market cap stocks and find those that have strong businesses and a lot of runway for growth. And I think that's the lesson here, is it's not just about investing in the innovators or the exciting names. Oftentimes, it's investing in names that just have good products that are growing Consistently, and they have long runways for that growth. Right, twenty years ago, monster energy drinks in general just were not very popular. But as they became more and more accepted and more and more utilized in alcoholic beverages and just day to day for people, became kind of the a mainstay of the grocery store, the 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 gas station, etc. And it wasn't exciting. But it was consistent, it was very profitable, and they were able to grow their footprint for many years at a pretty consistent rate. So that's the lesson from Monster being the best investment over the past 20 years. 888-99 chart, 888 We. We are at the halfway mark. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary. Now we're heading into the break, and I'm taking your questions now at 99 chart.
3: Your typical workday can be very busy: assignments, appointments, responsibilities, obligations. Sometimes you start early and end late. For that reason alone you may already be looking to the future to a period when your money, your accumulated assets are working for you and ultimately creating financial freedom. There are many voices suggesting financial planning services, but there's one company, one firm that offers a balanced variety of strategically designed investment plans. One firm that applies decades of experience To enable a client personalized collaboration. One firm that can show you how to optimize an investment portfolio that fits your lifestyle objectives and risk tolerance limitations. One firm that speaks with a clear, logical, and unbiased voice. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hello, Steve. This is Randy from Gilroy, California. Got a question as to as they, these interest
4: rates move down to zero, what happens during market crashes such as 1929 and maybe the 2007 eight crash. What happens with AAA bonds and also the corporate bonds? Appreciate it. Enjoy your show. Thank
1: you. Well, AAA bonds don't tend to not lose much value no matter what the market does uh, because these are very sound corporations, and almost every institution wants AAA bonds at some point, right? At at almost any yield, and so I'm not worried about that. It's corporate bonds that are low grade and as you continue to go down the rating spectrum the odds of them going bankrupt especially in a time where you have economic problems becomes exponentially higher. So, if you're investing in say anything below triple B is what is considered junk or high yield so if you go and invest in a bond that, say, is rated double B, and then you look at another bond that's rated double B minus, that, on average, that double B minus bond is going to have a much higher, not only slightly higher chance of defaulting, but you know double to triple the odds of the average double B bond defaulting. right? And so it's exponential as you go down that ladder to you know single B and uh, triple C, uh, etc. It becomes even you know you're playing with fire once you get down into that low B triple C type of uh, environment uh, with the bond market, with the corporate bond market. So as you get lower in quality, those type of bonds tend to act a lot more like equities, right? So if you look at something like HYG, that's an ETF that was around during the financial crisis came out in mid-2007, so the market was still relatively high then. That was at about $105 a share, and it hit a low of about $62 a share, so it went down about 40% or so, not quite as much as the overall market, right, the S&P, but you can see that it acted a lot more like an equity, because in bankruptcy, that turns to equity, typically, Than it did an actual bond, right? Where if you look at IEF, or let's go LQD is a good example. LQD, and you go to the monthly chart. Back in 2007, it went from 108 to about 80. So, you know, that still had decent volatility, but that's a mix of all types of high grade, investment grade corporate bonds from triple B all the way up to triple A. So, the higher up you go, you keep in quality, the better chance you will be able to sustain that bond in a tough economic environment. Thanks for the call.
2: 888 99 our number, 888 992 We're gonna go to Dave in San Diego.
0: How you doing, Dave? I'm uh, uh, real new to this game, and I have uh, a question about IRAs. Okay. Yeah, I've got some money in a, uh, a 401k from an, uh, a different employer. Yes. And, uh, you know, I don't want to just leave it in
2: their
0: their 401. Right. And I'd like to roll it into an IRA. Yes. Two-part question on that. Would I be able to take the uh, IRA deduction if I do that?
2: No, you would not because it's already in in a tax-deferred vehicle already in the old 401k. So rolling it over does nothing as far as being tax-deductible. Now, once it's in an IRA, you can add to the IRA and deduct that amount you added.
0: That is the second part of my question. Okay. I've heard a lot of talk, you know, you can have this and that in an IRA. You can have stocks, bonds, blah, blah, blah. How exactly do you do that?
2: Okay, very good question. First of all, a 401k, if you work for some employer who offers a 401k and then you stop working for them, the best thing to do is roll that into an IRA. But the question is, how do I do that? It's very, very easy. Depending on what you want to do with the IRA. Of course, with a 401k, you have choices in mutual funds. You can roll that 401k into like a Fidelity, a Vanguard, a Schwab. I actually prefer Schwab, believe it or not. Into an account, and all you do is go to them and say, I want to roll my 401k that I no longer work there right now. Into a new IRA, uh, let's say at the Schwab program where I can pick all, any and all mutual funds. No load mutual funds I want and they'll be happy to do that. We do it all the time, where someone comes to us and wants to roll it into one of our programs. We do it for them. We, of course, have to get the paperwork, but we do it for them. We roll it from a 401k into a custodian, maybe Bear Stearns or Schwab or, you know, there's many of them. And then from there, we manage the money on the IRA. Now, there is no tax consequences when you roll it directly from a tax-deferred 401k to a tax-deferred IRA. It's also not a contribution to an IRA because it's going from, you're just swapping. It's, it's an equal trade. And when you open IRA, you can now add money to that IRA if you wanted to. You can contribute to the IRA. And, of course, it depends on if you make too much money, you can't, but that's a pretty big number. You just go to whomever you trust that you want to roll this into. It could be a bank. And if you want to just put in a savings account, you can go to the bank say, I want to roll this 401k into a savings account. They'll help you with the paperwork. It's very, very simple, Dave. And if you have more questions about it, just call me at the office, 800 557 5461. 800 557 5461. That's my office number. Be happy to discuss it
1: at length with you. Thank you. Thanks. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you are making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And I know it's hard. To study the fundamentals, the trends in the market, how to know how to allocate your particular plan options, because every plan is different. This is where Steve and I can help. We have a math-based model that guide you, called the Active 401k Program. We monitor and advise you each and every quarter, and then you take the action. You can read more about it at the Active 401k at InvestTalk.com. And now I'm ready to take your questions live at 88899 Chart.
0: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin At their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Justin is here and he's ready for your questions. Call now 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, how you doing? Ben from New York. Love the podcast. Quick question. My wife and I have a chunk of money, $20,000 that we are
1: That's kind of bonus money, and we're looking to invest in one shot. Uh, We'll just put it in uh, a broad index. We're already dollar-cost averaging every month. We're on
0: track for a decent retirement, so that's going to continue as always. But with this bonus lump
3: sum of cash, I'm wondering what percentage correction in the market you think we should wait for. I feel like the market has been riding highs
4: generally for
3: quite a while, and uh, I wonder if... It's worth waiting for a 10%, a 50%, a 20% correction to use this bonus since we continue to do our normal dollar cost averaging. Thanks, guys. I'll listen on the podcast. Take
1: care. Simple answer is yes. I do think it would uh, make sense to be a little more patient. I think on the S&P, if you get back down into that 2800 to uh, 2850 range, that's an area that I think... Would be some decent, at least medium-term support, and I think we do get there over the next uh, six to nine months, as as long as there isn't some major catalyst uh, in, to the economy to fuel it much higher. You know, I think this recent run is a lot of about trade optimism, uh, just like the last three or four runs that we've seen since the month of uh, of April. You know, we've had a lot of these teases about a trade deal, and nothing come of it. And I think we'll have very little to come of this as well. And therefore, it will bring down the market back down to a more realistic level for the current economic environment. So I would be patient on that 5 to 10% pullback from here is what I'd be looking for. 888 chart 888 I think we can fit another caller question in now that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART.
2: Jamie, Hi. San Diego, how are you
4: doing? Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking the call.
1: Thanks for calling.
4: Steve, you oftentimes talk about a chart that uh-huh. is a triple top, double top, and yes, so ma'am. on and so forth. Yeah. What period of time do you go look at it? Three years, nine okay. months?
2: Very good question, Jamie. Very good. And these are the kind of questions where I can go in more detail and show you in our conferences that we have uh, because it's a very good question. You first start with, Jamie, a one-year daily chart. In other words, it's a daily chart of the stock price over one-year period. Okay. That's where you look for double and triple tops in the last 12 months. If the stock chart's not really telling you much, you can go back now to three years. Okay. But usually in that one-year period, it tells you a story. All right. Okay, but we generally look at a daily charts... I usually go back to I go to a, what's called a weekly chart, and that goes back about four years. Okay. So I, I do that just to get a feel for what's really happening. Is this stock continue to move up? Has it been here two years ago at this price and just can't seem to move from it? That kind of thing is what you're looking at. All right. Okay, Jamie? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Let's talk to Bill in the Castro Valley. How are you doing, Bill?
0: I'm doing good. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain.
0: My question was about earnings. Okay, they say they're going to make 18 cents, and they make it 19 and a half. They beat the street by a penny and a half. Is this actually a valid one, or is this maybe uh, analysts and brokerage pumping the stock by underestimating the uh, street?
2: Well, that is a bone of contention with a lot of people, including myself. When they say they beat earnings by a penny, or two pennies, or even a nickel, I don't really care. Did they do that because they manipulated depreciation and they manipulated, uh, they brought forward some sales that, were in La- that should be put into the next quarter instead of this quarter by, again, the accounts receivable? And, Bill, uh, that is always very difficult for you to determine. That's why you want to look at consistently earnings beating the expectations quarter over quarter and year over year. If they're able to do it all consistently, then, because you can only lie so much, Bill. For instance, if you borrow next quarter's earnings or next quarter you beat by a penny a share, that means next quarter, you got to actually do a lot more business to make up for that. And did they do it next quarter and the quarter after that? And all this is very difficult for you, the layperson, to figure this out, Bill. It's very difficult. But you have to look at the quality and quantity of earnings together. I always like to look at how they are booking their profits. For instance, Apple Computer. You know, they're selling tons of those iPhones, right? Right. Well, they're recognizing their earnings of the iPhone over the length of the contract of AT&T, the two-year contract. They actually get the money now, but they don't recognize the earning. They spread it out over 24 months. Every month, they recognize 1 24th of the sale of that iPhone, even though they got the money right away. That's very conservative, and that's very good for you and I, the shareholders. Other companies will recognize that all right up front. They recognize their earnings when they sold the phone to the retailer, and they really didn't get the earnings. And they, those phones might be coming back to them. You know, maybe they didn't get sold. See, so there's very different ways, and that's very difficult to figure out. Though you just got to know how they do it. So earnings are very important. How they, and how they cheat and steal, and I, I don't mean to say that all corporations cheat and steal. I don't, but how they fudge the numbers or not many companies don't they're strictly straight up and down many companies ge fights their numbers for years and years and years we've even said it on the radio how can they always beat their earnings by a penny a share how can that every quarter 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 a, penny a share, beat their earnings. well that means they're manipulating them all don't like that bill appreciate the call thank, thank you, for, you very much thanks i appreciate it 888-99-CHART
1: 888 4278 you get through and ask your question before we end the show in about 10 minutes now let's jump into Tesla's quote unquote earnings. And they did report earnings last week and they reported a profit. But if you read their further disclosures, you will see that this profit was driven more by one time items. And if you back out those one time items, revenue fell about eight percent and earnings fell thirty-six percent. And a lot of those that 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 was driven by changes to warranty provisions. Warranty provisions are a lot like bank loan loss provisions. And if you've studied, if you understand how bank loan loss provisions work, banks can say, well we have more loans that look to be past due and defaulting, and therefore we need to increase our loan loss provisions. And that's going to hit profits. And vice versa. They can say we have less loans that are falling into delinquency. We have less loan provisions. And that actually is a boost to profits. Even though there's no real profits or losses made either way. It's just what is expected going forward. And whether or not those expectations are realistic or not. That's just one way that accountants and CEOs and CFOs can manipulate earnings in that way. And so what Tesla did was the exact same thing, but for warranty, saying, well, our warranty provisions are going down, and we expect less servicing of cars, which is kind of odd, considering how many cars they've they've sold recently. And that is a net positive to earnings. So cash flow was still very poor, And the quality of their earnings was, once again, very poor, which doesn't shouldn't shock anybody. This is what Tesla does; they manipulate their financials in order to look a lot better than they do. But what it'll do is pull forward losses from the future and the or gains from the future, and that means the future earnings are going to be hit as well. Give me a call. I want to hear from you at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hey guys, this is Rick calling from Chicago. I have a question on trading platforms uh, for research. I currently use Fidelity, and it's a free resource, so their information. Is somewhat limited, and I was wondering what your guys' thoughts were for different platforms Uh, maybe a free one, a mid tier, and a low tier as far as pricing uh, to get the best information. Thank you. Look forward to hearing the answer on the show.
1: Well, we use TD Ameritrade, that's who our broker is for our clients, and we use there's a, a platform called Thinkorswim that has pretty good research that I believe is free for all. Retail subscribers, retail investors. We have a an institutional version of it called ThinkPipes that we use. Uh, that's very similar, so we like that. And now their trading commissions are free, which you uh, know we we love, especially for for our clients. So I would I would go with them if you're just trying to custody your account somewhere. That is who we would use. And they don't pay us to say that. It's just we interviewed schwab and fidelity and td and all the big brokers that are out there and that's who we went with so uh, that's that's where i would be custodying my assets and then if you want free free information free research morningstar i think has the most robust platform for free just data on companies talking about balance sheet Cash flows, etc. Looking at all that, it, it's laid out well. It's it's pretty much free. Now you can pay a little bit more. I believe it's a hundred dollars a year. I'm not sure exactly. We pay, you know, we've been paying it for, for so long. I forget what it is, but it gives you kind of in-depth reports if you're a subscribing member about the overall industry, its competitors. It's leadership, it's stewardship as a a board of directors, it's risks evaluation that they come up with, which is you know, may or may not be good, but at least they you have a starting place. I think that's a good one to start with if you're trying to get more in depth research. We like Y charts, that gives you more data from economic reports. As well as individual companies, uh, and there's search tools there, as well as Morningstar. I don't love the Morningstar search tools. Uh, what else? MarketSmith is a good subscription tool that gives you a lot of information in one place. Probably don't need both Y charts and MarketSmith, but both should be considered as well. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of free stuff that's pretty good. You're not going to get anything great that's free. You're going to get kind of the the simple information and that's what you're getting from Fidelity. I, I know the Fidelity platform, you'll definitely get a step up with T D Ameritrade. Thanks for the call. Great question and I think that applied to a lot of people out there that have some sort of investment account and where to custody it.
0: Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or contact Justin on investtalk.com.
1: Now we're going into 2020 and there are going to be some changes to 401ks and 401k contribution limits. It's gonna go up from 19,000 this year to 19,500 next year, and that applies to 401ks, 403bs, and thrift saving plans as well. The catch-up contribution is also going up from 6,000 to 6,500. That means if you're over the age of 50, you can now put away $26,000 per year in your 401k starting next year. Regular IRAs, it's still the same six thousand limit with a thousand dollar catch up if you're over the age of fifty. Simple IRAs are going up a little bit from thirteen thousand to thirteen thousand five hundred. What else? Oh, this this uh, if you're talking about Roth IRAs, that's always interesting as well because over a certain income limit, you can't contribute to. A Roth, and it's kind of a phase out as a, as a range. Starting in 2020, if you're single head of household, it's going to start at 124,000 to 139,000. So if you make over 139,000, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. If you're married, that starts at 196 and 206. If you're married filing jointly, so if you make over 206,000, married, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve is in New York, meeting with listeners, and I return on Monday. So please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at an iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.